This is Sunny, and this is a Sunny Look at the Bible. Our new study is called Adding Jesus to Your Today. Every week for six weeks, we're going to learn how to add Jesus to every trial and trauma. In fact, especially in every trial and trauma, it is an opportunity to add Jesus. Now, I believe life doesn't happen to us. Life happens for us. But let's talk about how that works and how that works for you. Let's start now right into adding Jesus to your today. All right. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. If you've been to any wedding, you would think of uh, 1 Corinthians as the love book. But this is the part that people don't usually preach at a wedding or speak uh, outwardly, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul says this, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or are greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. So I said, we're going to go there and we're going there. Um, I'm going to go over 10 things that I call deliberate moral sins. Now, these aren't just the 10 commandments. This does encompass some of the 10 commandments, but I've broken these 10 deliberate moral sins down and I've added Um, I've not added anything that I came up with. This is all from the Bible. But what it does is it pulls the moral sins from the Ten Commandments, which include, I mean, the Ten Commandments, it's all sin. um, So we're not to do, but because most of us don't struggle with a murder and um, we don't struggle with some of those, or we've already talked about honoring your father and mother, these deliberate ten would be the things that people struggle with most in our current day and context. So the deliberate ten. This would be encompassed by the scripture we just talked about and more scriptures I'll give you. Number one of the deliberate 10 is impurity of the mind and eyes, including horror movies, sexual movies, twisted books, twisted movies, and television. Uh, This would be impurity of the eyes and the mind. So if you see it and it goes in, it makes you impure. We can choose, and that's why it's the deliberate 10, we can choose to not open those books, to not check those books out, to not be into those romance novels or Fifty Shades of Grey or Magic Mike or For Men, whatever does it for them. That could be women vampire slayer dress scantily and they're warrior women, but what they're getting out of that is um, aroused. Number two of a deliberate 10, negativity and gossip, because according to the God, to God, gossip is like witchcraft. Uh, f- number three, foul- foulness of mouth, sexual or vulgar use of words, including joking and sarcasm. Sarcasm in the psychology, in the emotional world is a form of abuse. You basically, when you're sarcastic, and you know that sarcastic person, they basically get their point across. They say what they really want to say. They say what's in their heart, but then they laugh or they smile or they, you know, they slug you in the arm and say, I'm just joking, but they got it across. Many uncles, this is why many uncles have um, forever affected 
girls and boys, because an uncle feels like it's his job. Many uncles, many uncles feel like it's their job to razz you. And we, they call it razzing. They call it, I'm just kidding you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't joke with you. And in the end, they say things like you little chubby thing, or you big foreheaded thing, or you buck toothed thing. And uh, I'm just kidding with you, but they get their point across. So foulness of mouth. Um, I think we would know that sexual and also vulgar words, just having, I mean, the, the more swear words you use, the less intelligent you sound. I don't know if you ever noticed that. And I think even when HBO or Paramount or whatever network now, Netflix, now it's kind of up for grabs because things aren't on prime time to have the F word be um, throughout. We, we started to watch Succession, which I thought was going to be really good about Succession session and a plan from a father to a son and his huge company in New York. And in the end, I, I literally heard the F word every five to six words, which made me think this isn't really a bunch of eloquent, wealthy people talking. They sound like they have no education. And I don't know why they have to add that. Number four on deliberate 10, abuse of health, eating disorders, which is under eating or overeating, inactivity, Uh, substance abuse. This is an abuse of health. And in the Bible, all of these stem to a verse. This would be that our body is a temple. And so we're to treat it as such. Uh, When Jesus came, he said, I don't need a temple in Israel anymore. I don't need a temple in the wilderness like the Old Testament. I don't need a temple. Um, Basically, it's already destroyed in the New Testament. You're the temple. My spirit can live in you. Well, they were very particular about what happened in the temple. I mean, they made you bathe first in the mizpah. They made you, um, they made you sacrifice before you could be a part or walk into the temple. Only the priest could go in the holy of holies. And yet Jesus is saying, now that I've come, you can be the temple. But then we treat the temple like it's garbage, like it's a barn or a brothel. And then we wonder why the spirit doesn't dwell in us. I told you I'd be all up in your Kool-Aid. And more people keep joining because uh, this, I think we want to know this. We want to hear it. Um, There's this trend I'll talk about more in a meeting in a minute called progressive Christianity. And it's that if we search the Bible, we actually will find that Jesus was so merciful that, that anything goes. And that's just not true. Anything doesn't go. And that's not working. How's that working for our country when anything goes? We were just in Seattle. We saw the CHOP district. We saw the ramifications of what happened there. Anything goes doesn't work. There's a shrine for the murder that happened in the CHOP district. Now, I'm not talking politics. I'm talking anything goes has never worked for anyone. Number five on the deliberate 10, desensitization of media slash music, meaning putting garbage in will result in in garbage pouring out. However, if we're desensitized, then we don't consider that the reason we're able to watch the stuff, read the stuff, and look at the stuff we are is because we have become desensitized and we're okay to stay desensitized. Number six, immodesty of dress and social posting. Girls wearing short bottoms with their butt cheeks hanging out and plunging tops with their cleavage hanging out, that's not an accident. That's not an accident for a 12-year-old. That's not an accident for a 45-year-old. And a 12-year-old, it's disturbing. And a 45 or 60-year-old, it's very disturbing. But it's also disturbing for the 17, 18, 21-year-old who they've worked for that body. So they've determined that they're going to show it. And you know what? I've told my daughter this. 
when you might be grabbing the attention of your friends to say, oh, you have such a great body, or the attention of your boyfriend, you're also grabbing the attention of the 78-year-old man walking by, the guy who's the age of your grandpa. You're getting the attention of the 90-year-old that sees your butt cheeks, which she's not allowed to show the butt cheeks, but even the upper thigh. I mean, it's unbelievable. And immodesty of dress and then social posting of this kind of thing, this is not an accident. You guys are just gonna think she's mad today. No, I just, I'm so sick of sin and I'm so sick of what it's done to people and what it continues to and nobody's standing up. There are people standing up, but um, there's nobody who'd also say, I love you and I can go be an entrepreneur and I can, I can be relevant and cool and loving and joyful, but there is a line and we've crossed the line and it's time we stop. Number seven, lack of submission and lack of teachability is a moral sin. A heart that opposes authority and is suspicious of most people is a heart that is trapped. So to have lack of submission to authority where you can't work for a boss, that doesn't work for people. Lack of teachability. Um, our pastor told us when he was hiring us as youth pastors 20 years ago, he said, can you be teachable? And we thought, yeah, is that all you need to know? And he said, that's all you need to do to be successful is be teachable. But people who aren't, there's a hardened heart. Number eight, lack of intimacy in marriage, withholding from your spouse or not, or both agreeing to not be intimate. Um, lack of intimacy in marriage is a deliberate, a deliberate sin. The reason it's deliberate is because we're asked to, um, in the, in the Bible, marriage is the place that the marriage bed should be most holy in what God created it for, not the opposite. Many times the enticement of sex before marriage and, and, um, sexual encounters outside of a biblical marriage is way more exciting, but then we get married and then we basically uh, just want to throw that out the window. And isn't it interesting that that's how, I mean, it's very clear. That's how Satan works. Like when you aren't supposed to have sex, it's the best, greatest thing ever. When you're in a marriage and you're supposed to have sex, then it's hard to make you yourself or you just don't feel intimate with your spouse. That's a problem. Number nine, divorce, infidelity, and the effects on parenting. When we're not willing to consider the ramifications of our choices, and we'd rather not go to marriage counseling, we'd rather, rather not get help than to um, get help so that we're not unfaithful. We'd rather get help so that we don't get a divorce because we're considering the, the effects on our kids. <coughs> That's what's required. Um, when our heart is right and when we're following Jesus, that I would look at it and say, if I get divorced, what's this going to do to my kids? Therefore, will I swallow my pride and will I go get help? Now, what we want to do is we want to say, yeah, but when there's abuse. But here's the thing. We know that. You know that. If you're being beat up and, and there, or your children are being sexually abused or molested or your kids are getting beat up, you know for that, you absolutely know that it's time to get out of a marriage. Um, in fact, most of the time, people who are in abusive relationships have to, be, have to be convinced to get out of a marriage. But then people who aren't abusive, they're just in funky or dumb or they never based it on Jesus and they're not willing to dig in now to Jesus for their marriage. They're the ones most likely to give up. Rachel Hollis just put out a fun picture of her and her hubby in a selfie smiling. They're like, we have news. And their happy smiley selfie photo was news that we're just not we're just not good together anymore. We're getting divorced. After she's had conferences for homosexual, heterosexual couples, and then tagged that with, I'm a Jesus girl. She's taking us off course 
from the Bible. And now she's modeling for us that, you know what, if you just no longer good, you're just no longer good partners, be done. Now, I don't know if there's more to it, but what she convey to people is that if it's not working, get rid of it. Okay, what about the kids at home? And, and, and you can tell, I'm, I'm a little fired up. Okay, Last, lastly, sex outside of marriage, because we get this all the time. And this is why hopefully some people who can't hear this won't, or they're sh- they've shut this off by now. We don't like when a man will cheat on his wife. We call them an adulterer, that dirty dog. We'll tell our girlfriend, you need to leave him. Like we hate adultery, right? Like by and large in the movie, if somebody has an affair on somebody, we're like, you dirty dog, you dirty lady. We hate adultery. But the Bible is clear that it's not just sex with someone else's wife or someone else's husband. Sex outside of marriage is fornication. It's having sex with someone you're not married to. It is not okay to have sex with someone who is your fiance just because you're going to get married or in a monogamous marriage. Um, Jen Hatmaker said, in fact, tag Jen Hatmaker and Rachel Hollis. Go ahead. In, um, In Jen Hatmaker's statement a few years back, which actually led to multiple women and families leaving churches, of churches I know, our church, because they loved that Jen Hatmaker said that a homosexual marriage with two committed people can be holy unto God. That is not true. It is not true. And so people who want to hear that, they're like, okay, tell me more, Jen. And here's the thing, just because you have a fiance, just because you're planning to get married, just because you're faithful to one another, doesn't mean you can live together and not be married. Does not mean that a monogamous relationship makes you married. I've even heard people say, and this is a better step towards good, like, well, in God's eyes, we're we're married. Well, that's how it used to be in the Bible. When you had sex with someone, they became your spouse. They, they became your spouse the minute you had sex with them. So if you wanted to have sex before you even decided to be married, well, that's one and the same. So you can't have multiple partners. That means that if you've had 14 partners, that means you have 14 spouses if you want to be married in God's eyes. And that's not possible either. Sex outside of marriage before is, is still fornication. It is still wrong. So, but we cave on the imperative truth from scripture because we fear that the act of judging, which remember we, we were misguided that we're not to judge. We're not to judge others when we haven't first judged ourselves. Maybe because last week we talked about judging is not unbiblical. What's, what's not right is that I would judge someone when I'm doing the same thing. The point is judge yourself, search your heart. This whole study has been about that. The whole book I'm writing is about that. We, got, we have to fix us. We can't point the finger when we haven't done the work ourselves. That's why even in our marriage, it's up to me to do the work first before I point at him or her. So I have got to do the work and I can judge myself and search myself. When I get myself in order, which which is what I should do, then I can help the person get the splinter out of their eye. So we learned last week that that's a misguided thought that we're not to judge. We're just to judge in the right order. And then we're supposed to confront people, like we talked chapters earlier, with peacemaking, not just peacekeeping. That's a face-to-face conversation, but we are to have it. We are to tell people if we truly love them, what is truth? Because when they're not living in truth, they're not living in peace. They're not living in freedom. End of story. So like the error we addressed last week of judging is unbiblical, it's not true. This is another misconception that I need to correct, that we need to correct, that all sins are equal, that sin is sin, 
that love is love. No, it's not. There are different levels of love. There, is a, there are three kinds of love that God tells us to, to love in. And one of them is not love whoever you want. It is a love for God, a love for yourself, and a love for people. We will have an intimate love with the person that, that we are to marry and to have children with. We were put on this earth for two to become one. That creates the full image of God. Then from the full image of God, we are to reproduce and we have, we, we multiply. That's what we're told to do. So sin, our love is not love. That is not true. And sin is not sin. All sins are not equal. There is sexual sin. Let me read this to you, 1 Corinthians. This moves on from the last verse. Um, so this is 1 Corinthians 6, 12 through 20. It says, you say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for the food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into me. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. What he's saying is don't have your body that is connected to me, connect to a prostitute or someone in sexual sin. Why would we want, that sounds creepy to us, right? Why would I want to connect God with my sexual thing? But that's what we're doing. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. James 4, 17 says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Here's the difference. People who weren't raised this way, people who have never heard this, they're not accountable and they're not one with Christ yet. But the minute they're told, the minute they're confronted with it, which they're getting, they're getting that opportunity. This is why Christians can't act like jerks. They can't act like white right wing Republican haters and, and hypocrites and bigots. We can't be coupled with Christians that all they do is turn people away. We do have to be loving and kind, but we have to be peacemakers like we talked earlier in our study, not just peacekeepers. We have to, we have, to have people in our life we'll have a real conversation with. Once they hear the truth, it is, and they don't act on doing the truth for them, it is sin. For me, it is sin. For you, if you are a Jesus person, and you've heard this, you've heard this before, to not act on what the Bible says, then becomes sin. So the new verbiage from pastors and authors, I talked about this with Rachel Hollis and Jen Hatmaker, Rob Bell, some other ones who say they're now um, enlightened. They're also calling themselves progressive Christians. The new verbiage from pastors and authors who have turned to this all-inclusive way is they say love is love because Jesus is love, which sounds really good, but it also literally takes his name in vain saying, oh my God, that's not taking the Lord's name in vain. Taking the Lord's name in vain is saying that Jesus or God said this and coupling it with your agenda. The Bible doesn't say love is love. 
the Bible says there are three kinds of love. And it doesn't say that whoever you want to love, you have sex with. It separates love from sexuality. In fact, sexuality and sexual sin is never coupled with it's about love. In fact, sexual sin is coupled with lust. We never say lust is lust. We try to make it all pretty and put it in a package and say love is love. So the change of heart in these confused pastors who say they have fought through the scriptures, I am more scared for them than a lot of people because they are leading people astray. This is in Galatians 1, 6 through 10. This is Paul. He wrote this to the church in Galatia. Paul says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you in the Bible, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody's is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't serve God and man at the same time. So do not follow someone who says they're enlightened. That's like us following uh, Scientology or us following um, Mormonism or Latter-day Saints. I think that's, is that the same? Or Seventh-day Adventist. The, the new revelations or Buddha, these new revelations that came more in modern times or even some ancient times, they don't, remember last week we talked about the Bible is one of three of the oldest books ever written of the three major religions, yet the Bible is older than those two. This is written by outside of Christians, this is written by scholars, written by historians, that the Bible is the oldest book and also written over 1,500 years by different authors. So everything has to line up with the Bible. I'm going to give you a few verses that if you want to look further, because here's the thing. Some would say, well, but sexual sin and homosexuality and heterosexuality. Here's the thing. If you're not in a biblical marriage, meaning you're not in a marriage that both spouses believe in Jesus, you're going to struggle. If you're in a marriage where one spouse believes in Jesus, one doesn't, it's going to be hard. Um, But then if you're trying to have a relationship outside of a marriage, whether you both or neither believe in Jesus, outside of a marriage, you can't have sex. That's heterosexual sin. Homosexual sin is that is this stepping into this is a lifestyle I want you to accept. Just like I'm not going to accept a lifestyle of when you live together, if that can be accepted by society that you live together, you never get married, then that's okay now. No, it's not. It's sex outside of marriage. And we were to be man and woman and we were to reproduce. The image of God is man and woman coming together to make the full image of God. You can't take a half of man and another half of man and make a full. It doesn't work. And so here's the thing. Sean thinks this. I think this too. I think that there are people who they feel they are born gay. They may even be born where their whole life, their parents noticed that they had tendencies towards a female when they were a male or vice versa. You know, there's a, an athlete who she tested. Um, she was winning everything in, in uh, I think, the Olympics. She was a sprinter. And they tested her because they said, this isn't normal. She tested as a male chromosome, but she looked like a female. That wasn't her making a choice. But here's the thing, just because, and that, and what that, and they said, that is a, that is a birth defect issue. That is something that happened in utero. 
if a child is born and they are a female, but they have male tendencies or they, as they grow, they seem to have more of that. Think about like we lost a daughter at 18 days old. She had all kinds of issues. The problem started at conception. When she was conceived and through her growth and birth, she had multiple, um, multiple issues from conception. Her bones didn't develop right. Her lungs didn't develop right. Her, the chemicals in her body were wrong. Could someone be born where they're like, I feel trapped? There could be reasons. Did you know that, and I'm really going there now, I'm going to have no friends left anywhere. Did you know that in 1970-something when they started using um, microwaves and plastic that um, homosexual um, men, the percentage of those saying they were homosexual and growing up to be from the early 70s on, um, it increased like a crazy amount, like 177% increase. That's why you see, and even the FDA would say, BPA is now taken from the market, BPA-free in your plastic, your stuff that you put, you shouldn't put stuff in the microwave anyway, but plastic breaks down in the dishwasher microwave in hot, when it's hot. BPA, the reason it's taken out and people are told don't use BPA is because when it is broken down, it goes into your food as estrogen. BPA was removed from the market, but BPA was the start of something where it was like, but how can you control how you're born? What I would say is we have to check. We have to find out. It could be something in our body. It could be something we were born with. It could be um, hormones and chemicals that are off in our body. I can't argue with the Bible. I have to believe there's a reason that this is happening. I don't want to just think it's just people being sinful if they're two years old. But we live in a world where more people get cancer. I, I don't think that the Bible says some of you will suffer with cancer. I think the Bible wants us to live life and life in its fullest. But we live in a world where we have things like pandemics and we have things like germs and toxins and radiation. Our phone, I, I, some not health guy, some tech guy said he doesn't want to give his kids phones yet because they'll get enough radiation in their lifetime. I said, what radiation? He's like, well, little bits. I mean, when you have your your Bluetooth on when you have your Wi-Fi on, that's little bits of radiation. And I went, oh my gosh. So I'm like, kids, don't go to sleep with your phone next to your head at your headboard. Or I, I quit having it on my nightstand. Little bits of radiation. And then we wonder why there's more cancer. So there is a cause and effect. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't change. The Bible in 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 16 says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Train yourself in godliness. Um, it goes on to say that in the end times, that people will um, will change. They will change their mind. They will think that they know better than God. Philippians one twenty seven. If you're writing things down, only let your manner of life be worthy to the gospel of Christ. First Thessalonians five twenty two through twenty four. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, James four seventeen. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty six. First Timothy five eleven. This is what I'm going to read this um, to you. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with a love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law, but of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. Hello, authors 
people out there, progressive Christian pastors who are just trying to get a crowd. We know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father and mother, commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral and who practice homosexuality or slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Galatians 5, 13 um, through 26. Read that. Revelations 2, 19, which is talking about, uh, I believe, I believe that the great tribulation for sure is um, something that either we're headed into or we're smack dab in the middle of. I really do believe that what we're seeing is um, is a reflection of God trying to get our attention through something he didn't start. Um, and so, and then Leviticus 20, 13 through 16, most of them I gave you were New Testament because many would argue that, um, you know, forbidden sexual practices according to Leviticus, like in Leviticus 18, 1 through 30, many would say, well, that is for... Um, you know, the Old Testament and the Old would Sorry about that. My daughter keeps calling. Some would say, um, well, that's for the Old Testament. That's not for now because Jesus came to fulfill the law. But here's the thing. Um, I'm going to tell her. Um, he, Jesus came to fulfill it, not to abolish it. He came to act out the law. He still went by the practices of the Old Testament. He didn't come to say, just get rid of the whole Old Testament. He came to say, look it, now I'm going to act out. I'm going to be what the Old Testament was. I'm going to be it in the flesh. The Old Testament is as powerful, as relevant as the New Testament. And so even though I, I led with a lot of verses from the New Testament, for the people who say, I don't want to believe any of that because that's just a, uh, an Old Testament theory, it's not. It's both. Um, here's some questions for you today to end with. Number one, which of the 10, the 10 deliberate, the deliberate 10, do you need to be more deliberate about for positive change? You might be married and say, I don't struggle with sexual sin and wanting, I actually struggle. I don't want to have sex. That's on the deliberate 10 to hold back from your spouse. Uh, it's, it's never going to go well. That's the thing about sin and rebellion and even our not willing to, um, to shift and move and mold our unteachability is it never makes us better. It always makes life harder. The next question, what is a hot subject in your circle of friends or family where no real truth seems to be considered? Some people were raised to say, go ch- try it out. You can't try on, you can't wear the dress or buy the dress without wearing the, trying the dress on, go try it out. And some are like, don't marry the guy, don't marry the girl until you've tried it out. Terrible advice, but it is something you may have heard your whole life in your family. You might've been raised in church and that was just something that not only was acceptable, it was encouraged. But here's the thing. If you were asked, this is number three, if you were asked according to the Bible to stop doing something you are doing, are you willing? Are you willing? Number four, who do I need to deliberately remove right now? Because if you put yourself in the company of truth, as Proverbs 12, 26 says, it says the righteous is a guide to his neighbor. You need to be there for someone, but someone needs to be there for you. And you do need someone who's going to to not encourage you to do what's wrong and to continue to do what's wrong, but to encourage you to do what's right. And then you are that someone else. That's really what discipleship is. And we're all called to go and make disciples of others. And lastly, the question for you is what would be something that is getting in the way of change? That could be, Frankly, you're in love with someone and you're living with them and finances get in the way because why would I move out and have two 
to mortgages. This is why we did Marry Me Weekend for a few years. But then we found people were already um, living together and some had already had a ceremony even, but they were coming and renewing their vows with us. We're like, no, really what we wanted to fill the spots with were with people who they needed to get married because they were they were living together. They need to make it right. They needed to go through marriage counseling. Um, and we haven't done that in a few years. Uh, but I mean, we always encourage people go to the courthouse. Like there is a difference when you make it, when you make it a, a marriage. And you know, there's some people that are like, ah, oh, what's a piece of paper? Well, if it's what's a piece of paper, then do it. And uh, again, biblical marriage, biblical marriage, the fight you're going to have once you have that is Satan now wants you to turn off and not want to have anything to do with one another sexually or to have lulls and to have disagreements. And so it's not a reason to run away from marriage. It's a reason to have both people get right with Jesus. And it starts with us getting right first. All in your face. We have one week left, uh, week six of six. We will go through the last three chapters of the book I am writing. And then I get it off to the publishers on August 3rd. Today, we only went through half of chapter seven because there was so much to go through. And next week, we'll get through three chapters. We'll finish next week. Um, I love you guys. Thanks for being a part of this.